0: Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm Roger Woodall, founder of the Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. With all events in 2020 grinding to a halt, I'll be bringing people back together, but in a different way. On this week's episode, I'm talking to a proper go getter, Katie Street, working from within the Ladmag world of FHM and Zoo. Katie attended countless celebrity parties and high-profile events in London throughout the 2000s. From dining at the Ivy to working on the huge Live 8 event, she was living the life. Until one day, it was all turned upside down and she had to start all over again. Katie has a fascinating story and is a great example to anyone out there going through tough times. Here she is, the extremely talented Miss Katie Street. Katie, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Hi, Dodge.
0: Good to see you. Good to see you. Let's get cracking. I want to roll back all the way back, Katie, and sort of in your 20s, obviously you're a Bournemouth girl, went to London. Tell me what you did for work in London in your 20s.
1: So, gosh, well, first of all, I guess to map back even further than that, I'd never had any idea what I wanted to do when I was younger. I wanted to be a hairdresser, wanted to... It, well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I needed money. Uh, so I went into the world of advertising. So I actually started working for a, quite a big um I guess, publisher down in Bournemouth called mm. United Advertising, Exchange and Mart, yeah. you'll, you'll know it for. <laughs> Old
0: school. Working with
1: Wheeler Dealer, uh, car dealers, which are a great introduction <laughs> into the world of sales and marketing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then moved up to London and knew I needed to get some bigger names on my CV. Was kind of really driven by a really good friend of mine who sadly passed away in his early 30s, but he founded a a fashion brand called Criminal, and uh, he was like, hey, "You need to get some big brand names on your CV." So went up to London, shiny lights. Was like, right, yeah. I need a big brand name job. So yeah. ended up at FHM.
0: FHM, tell me, that was a massive magazine back in there. What was this early two thousands?
1: Yeah, so early two thousands, uh, and not just FHM. Actually, all the lads mags. So, Zoo. Yeah, FHM. My, my, my magazines that I looked after were FHM, Zoo, Empire. And I can't even remember the other one. There we go. It shows you how much I cared about the other one. <laughs> I was mainly selling FHM. But I used to do you know, everything from like get involved with the sponsorship deals for um, the High Street Honeys, which yeah. is great. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember. Samsung was one of those. I mean, it was a very different world back then. Most of my job was taking people out to get their nails done yeah. and take them to the Ivy for lunch. Yeah. I mean, best. I mean, can you imagine? Amazing. Best job ever in Amazing. your early 20s. All I was doing is taking people out for lunch. And, Amazing. Yeah. What was your, How long were you there for? I, do you know what? I wasn't there for very long, yeah. about a year. Was it? Um, and then I got poached by a – well, I think they were advertising with us, actually, by a drinks brand. I can't remember how I met them anyway,
0: yeah. however it happened. Well, the good thing for the listeners is, though, this is all about contacts. Yes. You didn't bother going to uni because you probably thought it's not no. worth it. You've gone up to London and doors are opening. It's about taking those opportunities.
1: Do you know what? Such a, in a way, I always used to regret having not gone to university, but it meant throughout my entire career that I've been taking jobs off mainly men that are sort of 10 years older than me because i didn't i didn't have almost i didn't have that delay so yeah i didn't have the experience of uni but what it meant is that i catapulted my career by quite a few years Mm. and just as i'm a bit of a blagger Mm. uh, and people tend to quite like me yeah
0: (laughs) but it works yeah (laughs) everyone's winging it
1: and do you know what it's the biggest thing having confidence and I've always been you know well you know me mm. fairly well mm. quite a gobby cow mm. uh, so <laughs> you yeah, can be <laughs> yeah but I, you know, I, I in the work environment I do actually really know what I'm talking about yeah. and I've always been really lucky to work for brands and companies that I truly believe in mm. so yeah, and I think that's been a big part of it it's actually loving the work that I'm doing loving the brands that I work for or the agencies that I work for um, so yeah and, I, and I've I guess I've really built it
0: around that Yeah. well you've built something really special but we'll move on to that in a bit yeah. so how long were you living in London for
1: so gosh so I'm probably not actually that long I reckon four or five years so I moved in my early 20s yeah. um, and I was there so yeah maybe like 21 and was there till, like, till I was 25 so okay. really not that long but did so, you know it feels like such a huge part of my Career and I definitely would not be where I am now yeah. without the connections and you know the partying yeah. and everything lots else of partying. That I did. <laughs> I mean, look. So I moved on to work for a drinks brand, which really. Probably was one of the best moves. I mean, I have
0: what also, was the drinks brand?
1: Uh, Pernod Ricard. So okay. people will think that's just Pernod and Ricard, yes. which are really aniseed horrible yep. drinks. Yep. It's not. They own Jameson's, Malibu, Perrier Jouet Champagne, Stolichnaya vodka, oh, Absolut. Wow. Okay. Uh, got Massive loads. Yeah, absolutely loads. So, what
0: were you doing when you when you got poached? What were you doing day to day for that brand?
1: initially uh well actually always the same job title but what i did kind of evolved and changed so i i can't remember what my job title was account manager maybe mm, mm. and my job was i worked in the west end which at the time i, I in fact i'd moved in and around london like clapham fulham yeah, uh, the norm. yeah. yeah. and it ended up actually right in the center of london mm. living in covent garden on mercer street which mm. was very very fun but it's very funny very when scary. we met
0: down here like in 2007-2008 we both lived underneath each other in, I know. in Chelsea Harbour. Man. I know. And we didn't know. It.
1: But literally <laughs> your flat was above yeah, mine. I'm yeah. sure I was like hearing you party yeah, before probably. I even knew you. Probably. Amazing. <laughs> Such a small world. But, you know, I, I really went to London with, I guess, quite, quite starry eyes. And... You know, ended up landed without really knowing what I wanted to do. This amazing job, whereas you're know, essentially responsible for getting our brands the most attention yeah. in the West End clubs at big events. Uh, so I was the girl that all the brands would call going, or or you know festivals, or yeah. a bit like you guys. Yeah, and I'm yeah, sure that's yeah. what we were talking yeah. about right at the yeah. beginning. You were like, "Can you help me yeah. get a drink sponsor on board?" Right.
0: 13 years ago. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, forever yeah, yeah.
1: ago. And and you know that would be that was what I did. That's and a
0: dream it, job for a 20 year old girl going to London not really knowing where where she's going to go what she's going to do but I think the lessons here is that open the doors yourself make contacts oh, gotcha. be a face don't be afraid to ask questions And that's essentially, I'm guessing, that's what you did.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Just so super friendly, meet everyone, talk to anyone. I mean, I'm sure it was incredibly annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But it has meant, you know, and I'm still really good friends. So one of my really good friends, he used to own a club called the Kingly Club in Soho. Mm -hmm. We're still really close now. He's, you know, got another club in somewhere in shoreditch called yeah. mcqueen's and yeah. he's launching another business which i probably shouldn't say too much about mm. but yeah, you know i've got loads of my friends that i made quite early on yeah. just by randomly talking to people yeah. at the, you know, the london club and bar awards yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it was That's how it happens god yeah and you know it was yeah. such great fun uh but yeah i was i was super lucky we used to get involved with some very high profile events uh so from things like i think one of my first was live eight uh which oh, wow. obviously was huge in yeah, the massive. golden circle with the beckhams i yeah. mean just the most lucky talk amazing to me, talk to me about live eight well it was pretty huge at the time so it was the it was the redo of the original live aid yes. uh in hyde park yeah. and i mean just everyone who was anyone was there yeah. it was it was huge we had you know snoop dogg i can't remember who the artists were now I was probably just really drunk. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I was so lucky. Not we we it actually wasn't my sponsorship deal, it had been done before I was there. Yeah. But I just happened to jumped all you know, over it. Yeah, exactly. Off like, onto yeah, it. I'll come. <laughs> Anything you need me to do yeah. backstage, I'll do it. But yeah, you know, it was just incredible. And and you know, we were really lucky as a as because we had a very um, broad spectrum of brands. Yeah. So from the likes of Kalua and Malibu, yeah. which probably perceived as a bit more tacky, yeah. all the way up to perrier Jouet. You know, I used to get involved with you know, big events like Live 8 all the way down to little fashion shows. Yeah. And it was just brilliant, you know, sponsoring Jade Jagger's birthday yeah. party, yeah. Yeah. Um, all sorts. And, and it's,
0: that's interesting, isn't it? When we talk about sponsorship, I spoke about sponsorship on one of the others before, was sponsorship is about relationships. That's all it's about. And it's about opening doors and making sure that you really nurture that relationship with that person. Because I wouldn't come to you and ask you to sponsor a sport and music festival with a brand of yours in no. with Champagne. It just wouldn't work. But someone else in a the, in the different industry would be mad into sport. And I know that could get headline sponsored through them because they love, they will back you. Yeah. And I guess that's what happened with you, right?
1: Yeah, there's kind of, two I think there's two parts of it. First of all, It's got to be right for the brand. Mm. I would never have said yes. And it it used to get really annoying. You can imagine the amount of phone calls that I'd get going, you know, we've got this party or Katie, this, you know, and everyone's trying to sell to you all the time, which is wonderful, but it does get a bit annoying because you'd know every time the phone rings someone someone going, oh, we've got this celebrity coming to our club tonight, Katie. Can you send us some, you know, champagne for the VIP room? Or we've got this. So, it was, you know, I had to think about two things and I guess this is important if you're running an event and mm. thinking about how you reach out to sponsors. One, what's the benefit? You know, what, as a brand, what did I need to, to get? So yeah. really for me, it was about exposure, PR, because our brands weren't the biggest brands in the market. So Perrier Jouet and Mum Champagne. They're still very big. A big, but yeah. at the time they weren't, you know, they, they're not, you know, Verve, yeah. they're not, you know, they weren't the B- LP, they yeah. weren't the biggest brand. So we weren't necessarily as well known as the others. Yeah. So for me, actually, what was really important was that brand recognition, the PR that we might get out of it. So people that approach me with, look, okay, Katie, if you do, if you sponsor this, we're going to be able to get you this, this, and this. We've got a PR company. We're going to help you get the reach and the the recognition you want for your brand. I'd be much more likely to say yes to it yeah
0: okay so for you it was about exposure
1: definitely I mean not for every brand yeah. but yeah exposure and good PR and us you know the brand being seen in the hands of the right people and yeah. at the right events and you know I would often say you know I would have claws saying Look and we weren't really ever giving any money it was only ever products so we yeah. were just giving them lots of free
0: drinks perfect so you were getting involved with lots of events allowing you to go and party at those events yeah and you'd be one of the main faces there because everyone wanted to know you because you were the lady who was yeah. bringing all the booze yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> Perfect. great great fun it's a win-win I
1: know honestly I, I didn't actually do that job for that long because I think after a couple of years I just thought I was going to oh. end up dying and I remember liver you know, failure I'd be going out all night <laughs> yeah. you know going because you can't sponsor a party and then not go oh, of course. and then we used to have all these different brand owners in different countries I'd be the one that Katie gone can you go and take them and show them the best restaurants and the best yeah. clubs we've got in London yeah. so and it sounds so glamorous and it was so glamorous yeah. but I literally burnt myself out because then the next day you'd be going and going we're launching this new brand you know this new range of Olmeca tequila and Mm. you'd be in the office in the Hounslow which is not (laughs) as glamorous uh tasting of tequila at nine in the morning yeah Uh, yeah, I was like no I just and so as much as I never wanted to give it up um it was time for me to move on and yeah
0: yeah. but you know your gut tells you when time's to move on in anything you do
1: Yes. Do you know what? I probably could have stuck it out a bit Mm. longer. Um, But also I was really ambitious. And I know I I tell you what, this is this is something that I almost forgot about. I took that job. So I must have been, yeah, 22, 21, Mm. 22 when I first started working there. So, yeah, like super young, like really wet behind the ears. And I took the job off a guy uh, who was quite a bit older than me and. I guess I knew I, I didn't have enough self-worth I knew I was going to be pe- but my pay was going to be much less than his yeah. but at that age I was just like brilliant it's great so on my CV yeah. I, so, but after having done it for a couple of years and not getting the pay rise and been said oh, okay even though I'd been smashing all of our, my targets yeah. my KPIs doing a lot better than the per- person previous to yeah. me they didn't give me the recognition or the pay rise that mm. I wanted so that actually put a really sour taste in my mouth because I just thought because I'm a girl mm. and because I'm not in my 30s yeah you're not paying me the right and I was actually told that by my yeah. boss at the time like we can't really Katie give you the same pay because you're a girl in your 20s so that's, that's, <laughs> interesting, that's an
0: interesting subject there. it's good for me if you're if you're good enough you're old enough yeah you know in in our HQ here I think we've made three directors under the age of 30
1: amazing and that's how it should be but it's been you know certainly for me look I don't think I've Particularly suffered at that point. I felt pissed off, yeah. uh, which is one of the reasons. Do you that I find, learned.
0: do you find in when you were in that world that the women were getting paid a lot less?
1: Do you know? I, I don't necessarily think. Well, they clearly were, mm. but I don't think it was the same for everyone. We had lots of very senior women in the business. Um, I just think you know, we're in a much better place now. There's a lot more. There's a lot more of an even playing field, and I don't think people care like they used to but it has you know I'm a big champion of you know empowering women and actually it's meant that my business now I've got seven people working for me uh and all
0: women six of them are women is that right one <laughs> yeah, man one guy lucky, lucky yeah. bloke and,
1: and <laughs> I don't know if he feels very lucky <laughs> half the time that's a
0: good point in fact lucky and unlucky at all. Yeah. yeah
1: no he's brilliant and yeah. and all the girls but you know there's no there's no sort of girliness to yeah, us we're yeah, all yeah. quite business-minded Crack women yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, you I think it's changed and it's taken a long time for it to change I can remember big nightclub owners yeah. me going into meetings in my early 20s yeah. not being particularly dressed up I mean, I'm still pretty dressed up today yeah. uh, but guys trying to open my bra strap like right. going into a meeting and them saying hello and then like right. I mean that's pretty yeah. shit isn't yeah, it yeah 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 that's cool. not great that's, and that used to that? happen I don't well if, <laughs> if I say can we censor it can we censor it? censor it is that
0: right? yeah wow, wow woo wah wow.
1: Yeah, naughty. But you that couldn't get. There's no way that you could get away with that now. Did you give him a slap? Yeah, just it be. It's embarrassing. I just. Yeah. I mean, he actually was a really good friend of mine. Yeah. And I think I don't know. People just. I mean, he was friends with lots of yeah. girls yeah. in the West End. He, you know, ran one of the most prolific nightclubs. It's not. It's not
0: the point. That's a. That's. But that, people that used to. So people used to think. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that used to happen a lot. You know, I used to, we sponsored things like the London Club and Bar Awards, and I guess because were you they know, held. God, all over the place. Yeah. I can't remember now. Different, different hotels, yeah. uh, etc. But, you know, we used to get, I used to get, I guess, used for my womanliness yeah. quite a lot. But I definitely used that to my advantage. Yeah, okay. So they'd be like, Katie, can you get you and a couple of your girlfriends and we'll take you around in a limo yeah. and, you know, you girls can go. And s-. And I used to do it because yeah. I was like, well, it's kind of handy for yeah. me to be able yeah. to do that. Well, you're meeting
0: you contacts, but it's... <laughs>
1: But, it was, it, but
0: it's pretty his, bad. Yeah, it's got, it's got its darker sides as well. Would
1: that it? happen now? I don't know. I think it's much. I mean, would I do it now as a woman in my 30s? No. As a woman in my 20s, I kind of, you know, I was being taken advantage of, but I was fully aware and I was taking advantage yeah. back. So yeah. it was kind of okay. Mm, mm. I certainly wouldn't want my daughter no, to do that. Of course that.
0: not. Of course not. It's only when you look back and reflect, isn't it? Sometimes you think, oh,
1: I know what did I used yeah. to do. It is bad it is it is pretty bad, but you know. It, it, but you
0: were going to all me, yeah. the best parties and events in London. Yeah, for a lot a lot of years. So.
1: Yeah, still now. Yeah, still get invited. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. got my groucho membership. Yeah,
0: good, know? good, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then what happened then? What did you have enough of London? That sort of London lifestyle, and you realised you wanted to come back to the lovely sandy beach. No, no,
1: I was dragged back, kicking and screaming. Well, yes and no. Uh, so, well, you know about this story. This is when go it on. gets dark. If, I don't you, know the story. You, you know a little bit. Okay. You know go a little on. Bit. So I met a guy who was from London but lived in Bournemouth. Okay. okay and he wanted, okay. and he was, he didn't want to live in London. I still lived in London. So we were dating. Yeah. I lived in London. He lived in Bournemouth. Uh, we'd met years before. I think he'd opened a restaurant down here or something. Yeah. Um Anyway, so. We got together. He was like, "Go on, please move down." And I was sort of commuting back up and down from London mm. uh, to down here, and then sometimes staying here. So Anyway, short story is, I got pregnant, mm. and we had a baby. So mm. it didn't really make sense for me to live in Covent Garden. Did your work on stop when
0: you got pregnant?
1: No, I continued working. It, so I know. worked for. So when I was at Perno, my one of my bosses left to uh, launch a new. Uh, drinks, energy drinks brand. Called... <laughs> Pussy. I mean, why wouldn't you call it that? The worst thing was, the guy who... who it was
0: really good branding, I remember it.
1: Really good branding. Canned,
0: cans, great branding, great taste.
1: I was. T- I hate Red Bull. Yeah, so actually, I really bought into the brand. Yeah. I'm not sure if I ever fully bought into the name. So the idea behind it was like, Richard Branson's got a brand called Virgin. That's yeah. a bit cliche. So why can't we call it Pussy? Because yeah. that's cliche and we'll get noticed. I was like, yeah, but Virgin's like clean, lovely, yeah. white pussy Hmm. not so much Uh, but you know it did kind of work it's actually I think I was saying to you Mm. earlier on uh, it is now owned by the Branson kids, uh, it's done really well in Europe, not so well in the UK. But yeah, I did have a fun few years, and throughout my pregnancy, so Holly
0: Branson owns it now, does she?
1: Yeah, Holly and Sam, and Sam I, th- wow. I believe so. Well, last time I checked, okay. they did.
0: It'd be good to get them on the show.
1: Yeah, maybe mm. I can hook you mm. up. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that was you know a good experience. I mean, again, going from big, a big big brand name, all the all the Pernod brands are fairly well known to a, to a startup which wasn't known at all. And we were trying to do, you know, and that's, I guess, why they wanted me to go and work for them because I knew everyone in the West End. Yeah, I yeah. could get us stocked everywhere yeah. that they wanted to get stocked. And it was very much what what anyone in the drinks industry will know is called that. there's an on-trade and off-trade. Yeah. So off-trade is your Tesco's and your supermarkets. It's never done well in that market mm. because of its name, mm. but it did do really well, you know, in the, in the clubs and the bars and yeah. events and stuff. So yeah. yeah, now it's doing really well in Europe. Mm, so fantastic. that was a journey. So yeah, so moved back to Bournemouth Worked what year for what
0: year are we talking here?
1: 2007. Yeah. Um and then my daughter was born in 2008 and she's 12 now. My mm. oh god that's showing how old mm. I am. Scary. Mm. Um and then I got married. Mm. You came to my wedding. I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, and then my husband went to prison mm. for 12 years. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so not, not <laughs> yeah. quite the normal, no. the normal that must story. That was a shock
0: to the system, was it?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, look, we could have a whole podcast, I think, yeah. about, about what happened then. Yes, massive shock to the system. So, you know, I was feeding my daughter, who's a, about a year old at the time, her shreddies, and just heard my front door being knocked in. And, wow. you know, 16 armed policeman raided my house my god <laughs> took my husband and he never came home my god um so yeah that I mean look without going into the gory details obviously I was incredibly shocked I guess heartbroken because I didn't I had literally no idea what was going on mm. um and had to you know the the kind of shortcut version of the stories had to start everything from scratch so I lost my house I lost my husband which you know Gosh, without saying too much, that probably wasn't necessarily a bad thing yeah. uh, at the time. But, you know, at the time, it, you, I didn't know that and and literally lost my job. Everything I had to start totally from scratch. Wow. And I think that's something that's it is an important part of my story mm-hmm. because it's what's you know made me, I guess, quite ambitious and probably a little bit scared of failure and given me a huge amount of fight. I mean, I've always had that anyway. So I've always been quite ambitious. I went to, when I was 18, I didn't take the normal route and go to uni. I bought a flat and Mm. went to work in London and did things quite differently to everyone else because I was sort of, you know, I guess empowered by money and also didn't have the most normal of childhoods. Mm. So for this to then happen, you know, when I was an adult, I guess it's just given me even more drive and ambition. But it took me a long time to launch my own business. You know, I went. So after,
0: how did you feel? What emotions did you feel? Oh God! Because you must have gone through a whole concoction of emotions for I don't know how long for, but
1: fear. I think is the main Mm -hmm. one. Like initially, just absolute fear, because what do you do? How am I going to pay for everything? You know, I've got a daughter. I want the best for How her. Old the daughter? So she was a year old when oh. it happened. Let us um, say so she's 12 now. Yep. And I have been a single mum living on my own ever since. Mm. Sad times. Why have mm. I not found a nice man? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: if
1: there's any out there, please write to me at. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, so, yeah, I guess just, um, yeah, main feeling would have been fear, but also determination to make sure... That I was going to build, you know, I I was really lucky. And although my childhood wasn't perfect, you know, I did have a very privileged.
0: So was the house taken off you?
1: House was taken off me, yeah. Wow. Because even though I had, you know, contributed, the Proceeds of Crime Act uh, outweighs anything that. You know, his, his debt to me is not as important as his yeah. debt to... So lost the house, literally lost everything and had to just start from scratch. But it took a long time to get there. There was lots of waiting and court cases and, you know, working out what was going to happen. So until, you know, we didn't... I didn't lose the house till Lola was four. So I had lived there for yeah. a few more years. Yeah. So really, it sort of almost delayed things. So I was 30 by the time, you know, I knew what was going to happen and that I was definitely going to have to start again from scratch. Mm. And then, yeah, it's been, I guess, a bit of a journey ever since. And, you know, I I probably did scramble a little bit in the beginning thinking, look, I want, I have to do a job that I love because I've always done work that I love. So I really stumbled across uh, the creative and marketing agency world that Bournemouth is quite famous for and, you know, ended up very luckily working for some of the biggest agencies in Bournemouth that work with really big, you know, global brands, um, and led new business and I get the uh, one one other feeling that I did always have was probably a little bit of shame which mm. is why it's quite I've never talked about this publicly mm, so this is a, a this art. is a first yeah. um it was a little bit of shame because you know you sort of feel like or I felt like uh it was embarrassing you know what had happened to me or I'd be judged or people wouldn't think I'm good because you know that had happened in my life but actually every time and I would sort of privately take my bosses aside and say look just so you know because it, it was difficult you know yeah. I was juggling being a single mum going up and down from London to do it big pictures yeah it was all over the press and it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy journey by mm. any means what, what was harder I guess is just the ongoing like daily struggles of being a single mum yeah you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy um but you know got through it mm. and I'm so glad that I did because I all of those things that happened have brought me to where, where I am are. today and I, and I love that although <laughs> I wouldn't have said that <laughs> 11 years ago when it was all happening but I love that that's been part of my journey because it's I, I wouldn't be the same person just wouldn't
0: if you're enjoying this episode, you can subscribe to the Eventful Entrepreneur now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, do you reckon it's made you stronger?
1: Oh God, yeah, fearless? definitely. Uh, you, I'm, I'm. Do you know what? Fearless. That's a funny. That's a funny way of phrasing it. I'm not fearless. I'm fearless because I'm fearful. Mm. Does that make any mm. sense? Mm. So, because I'm so scared of failing, mm. and I want to have nice things and money yeah, and yeah. provide a nice life for my daughter. Yeah. I'm so scared of not doing that yeah. that I'm not scared to do anything yeah. to make it happen. Brilliant. So it's Good a, for you. Yeah, Good a for you. juxtaposed no, answer no, that's that.
0: A, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great answer.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's that, that fear is what stops a lot of people. And I find that a real shame because me personally, I'm, I, I don't have fear. I don't have fear of failure. I don't have fear of success. And, and people get put off by um, the fear of judgment. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing why people procrastinate. Don't
1: do no, and you can't. And that's and where I say procrastination
0: saying, must be the most horriblest thing. Knowing that you've got an idea and you want to pursue something, but you're I'm in an hour and shall I shall I, What are my friends going to think? What are my family going to think? No. Who cares what people you've think? Got to man. Just you've go got to do it. it. We've got one life.
1: But I think that's where where I'm saying yeah, I'm feared uh, fearful. It's fearful of doing nothing. Like I've I've always had this kind of real big thought pattern of you mm. do what's your choice in life? Do you do something or you do nothing? I've never been the person to do nothing. Mm. I would always do something because I'd think I'm too scared. To, I'm sc- too scared not to do anything. Yeah. So if I don't do anything, I'm not going to be able to fix it. So I'm, I've got this real, I guess, drive inside me that thinks, right, well, I need to do this and I won't be beaten and yeah. I have to do this better than anyone yeah. else. And and actually, you know, so I worked for agencies leading new business and marketing for mm. many, many years mm. and, not for a long time, wanted to go out on my own, but just hated, you know, the layers of not being able to do what I wanted to freedom. do. Yeah, the freedom. freedom and having people say, oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Trying to convince people that it's a good idea. So going out on my own, we've only been going for two
0: years. So let's this, this roll back a bit here. So you've had all this experience. You're now coming into your late 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> um, quite forty yet. And you've built up all these wonderful contacts in London. Come down here, got great contacts. You, you, you've created even more contacts in London, and now you've set up Street Agency, which is yours.
1: Yes, which Good. is super Brilliant. exciting.
0: Tell us about that.
1: So, so we we're quite niche, which is also I think part of why we've you know been successful. So we really understand who our audience is mm. and how we can help them. So we're an agency for agencies. We help connect agencies with big brands to do whatever it might be marketing so break, digital. so break
0: it down an agency yes is looking for a brand to come on board yes to do to some do kind of
1: marketing or digital or pr work so they tr- they work with clients essentially So give an
0: example of an of a, a a big brand and an agency how they actually work together
1: gosh well they're all so different dependent on the agency that you know that that they are but let's say a lot of our clients are digital agencies yeah. uh, so we've just won some work with great ormond street hospital for yeah. one of our clients uh, so yeah we, we're essentially the connection between so we help agencies yeah. could be that they're, they're running a campaign we work actually with quite a fact we've got a couple of experiential agencies in our books who've obviously had to totally pivot yeah. what they do uh in their current environment so all of the agencies that we work with are, are trying to speak to brands yep. but to offer them different services so some okay. might be we're putting on an event you know, we run goodwood festival and we're going to build you a big event space yep. some might be we can help you build a website for you know for your brand some might be we help run campaigns and do tv okay. advertising okay. so all
0: very very different but okay. marketing of some okay. sort a marketing of some sort okay yeah. Okay. And did you find that when you were an agency, you're a different business model, we'll move on to that in a minute, Mm. but actually as an agency, do you not think it's a painful process having to tender? Oh my God. So for example, so the listeners know that if you are, there's a brand there that's got £100,000, as an agency, you're one of six or seven or even 10 agencies trying to go for that £100,000 that they choose you. You put maybe three weeks working on a presentation for that brand to say, Thanks for all your ideas, but not you. Thanks for your ideas, but not you. Yeah. And we're going to use that agency, and we're going to give them the hundred.
1: And you've invested much. Yes. I mean, that's essentially what that I used for to do. Me is well, that's what I used to yeah, do. Run okay. new business pitches. So I used to be head of new business at agencies, running the pitch process, thinking about how we were going to differentiate ourselves, what was our big idea, you know, how are we going to beat all the competitors? And you know, we did smash it. We had yeah. like a sixty percent. You know, always yeah it was proud of the fact that we would win two in three of the pitches that we would go go for most agencies actually only win one in three yeah. some less some more yeah. um so yeah it's it's an old antiquated process which fundamentally i think it's is broken, broken. Yeah. i actually was speaking to the ceo of eve sleep you know the mattress company uh amazing lady she was uh cmo and now ceo which is just amazing as well and i'm all one for that as a a woman as i was talking about earlier and she was saying you know she she picks agencies quite differently she doesn't do the standard rfp process because so that is the tender process so request for proposal okay uh so she doesn't she doesn't do that. She doesn't lead that for the brands that she works with because she buys based on relationship and she'll go and do things like judge awards to see which agencies are doing things differently and which one, you know, she'll judge the work to actually look at, you know, really interrogate the agencies and she'll use recommendations and just get to know people and go, right, here's an idea. What do you think? You know, much better way and I do think there's a big, I mean, I talk about that on my podcast, Mm. Word on the Street, Um, that, you know, the, the new business process needs to be changed mm. because it shouldn't be brands going here mr agency do this and the agency's just jumping to attention you yeah. know how high should i jump yeah. etc it just it's not it's not a healthy way for you to start a relationship same as having a mm you know, relationship in real life. It's like one person isn't in charge more. Well, sometimes they are, but it won't be a very successful relationship. So
0: where did you find your niche in the market? You've worked agency, you've worked for the brands, you've worked in marketing, you've worked in sales and been very successful. What did you, where did you see this niche?
1: We started because I thought the process was fundamentally broken. So from working with lots of brands and working for agencies, pitching to brands, that the way that it was done just didn't work particularly well. And also, we were, you know, agencies traditionally have been very much project based. So you'd be winning project after project. So each time you win a new client, you work on that client for six months or a year or two years, whatever it might be, finish that project. There might be a little bit of ongoing work, but then you're on to the next one. Yeah. You need to win another one and another one and yeah. another one. So we used to have to work with what we call lead gen agencies to help us you know, speak to more and more brands. And I was like, well, why can't, why can't agencies work more like brands do and actually have a proper marketing strategy yes. and a proper marketing plan? So really, that's where the idea was born. And what we do is very different to anyone else in the market. We run campaigns for agencies to connect them with brands and build Brilliant. yeah, a really engaged audience for them. And essentially around trust, you know, we're helping them. We're understanding what's your problem, how can we help is you? It,
0: is it like... Um... A football agent is it like a football agent where you are going to the brand on behalf of the player?
1: Mm, I guess kind of, but we're more. We start the conversation, so essentially we are talking to them, giving pushing out helpful content that might be insights. A lot of we host a lot of webinars for our clients where we get high profile speakers on. Uh, we do podcasts for our clients, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're really producing helpful content that is the attraction phase so okay. we're really looking to start the conversations and then build those over time and then we use marketing automation software to track
0: how do you get paid
1: how do we get paid well we're on retainer
0: mostly. so you get retainers so you'll yeah. say if you want my, our services with the with retain sh- us. street agency yeah retainers and give us five grand a month for example,
1: pretty much there, Doug. Okay. I must
0: set up a new business. <laughs>
1: there we go, you know it. Um, so so, so yeah. they'll give
0: you five Gs a month, and then would, would you guarantee the in for a year or six months, 12 months? How does that normally work?
1: So, I mean, traditionally, the sales cycle for agencies is anything between sort of six to nine months minimum before you, you know, you've warmed up your lead to the point of opportunity and, and won a piece of work. Obviously, we try and shorten that as much as we can. Yeah. But generally, because we use quite intelligent marketing automation software which we plug into their website. So when we've got, you know, we're engaging with brands, we can see when they're clicking on stuff and when they're visiting their website Google and when analytics they're analytics. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. But clever cleverer than that. It's, yeah. it's a really good little platform. I must give them a plug because they're What's such a good partner of ours, How do you spell that? K-U-L-E-A and it's a marketing automation plugin it enables you to you know you get all your leads or all your prospects into the system it will then we set up all of our marketing automation journeys in there so we've got your know, automated team if someone does this then do this so you can you could do a whole email journey yeah. and then it also enables us to see when people are visiting the website they get lead scores for attending an event we hook it up Brilliant. with Zoom and
0: you know, all the other platforms Sounds that we're good. using
1: it's really good so we because we use that
0: for our events course
1: you could. Yeah, definitely. I'll mm. introduce you. Mm. Um, so, you know, we use that software and because we have to pay for a license for that software. And actually, you know...
0: How much is the license a month?
1: Oh, gosh, well, I can't tell you that. Roughly? We get a good deal. Roughly? It's much cheaper than HubSpot, is all I'm going what to say. What are we talking, a
0: grand a month, 500 quid a month, less?
1: Between the two, I think. Okay. I can get you a deal. But Josh, you don't think worry.
0: it's... Worthwhile.
1: 100% worthwhile. Okay. It's how we run all of our campaigns and all of our clients. We pay for a license on their behalf. Okay. Because. So it's a must. It's a must yeah. for us because you know otherwise you don't know what your oh, audience are yeah, doing. Yeah. So we, you know, I can then see what they've clicked on. I've got prospects that so I run a webinar. So you and can a see where they've
0: gone on the website.
1: Yeah, you can see where they've gone on the website, which which events of mine that they've attended, and then I can produce bespoke messaging to them based on that. So you're able to you know, that's where we take it from a marketing lead yep. to a sales lead. Yep. So initially we're driving marketing, we're we're attracting. People in yeah. through the, to the funnel by using marketing databases yeah. and and this. Uh, so marketing would you use that marketing software.
0: via Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube?
1: We push it out on the social channels as well, but actually the email marketing works so much harder. Yeah. Is that Not, because it's?
0: Is that because it's already a warm lead because they've given you an email address? Or? Well, they
1: haven't usually given us their email okay. address. That's another little trick. From? So we, <laughs> <laughs> is, I'm giving you all my secrets now, Dodge.
0: Well, that's the whole point yeah, of this, course. right? Yeah, we're all sharing. Um, sharing. Um, so sharing is caring.
1: So there's a few different platforms that we use. The main ones being one called Winmo which stands for Win More, yeah. um, which a business partner for another business I'm launching has the UK license for, which is okay, quite handy. Um, so that gives you, all, essentially in the marketing world, people's email addresses. So yeah, sorry, marketeers out there, that's how we find you. Yeah. Cool, And another one, which if you've been in the marketing world for a long time, you'll remember the Brad and Alf Bible, where you used to get people's email addresses yeah. and phone numbers and stalk them on the phone. Yeah. It's now, Alf is now a digital platform, but it's, it's got loads of really clever things baked into it. So it tells us when, you know, when the accounts are at risk, what other agencies they're working with, uh, their email data, their telephone data, wow. when a new marketing director is coming into play. So we can then approach the brands that we know are likely to need help and with our client's proposition yeah. and tell you, know, and we work a lot on what we call a value proposition, which is really understanding, you know, why people need what the agency that we're working for is offer. What is it? What is it that they're going to be able to help them with? Mm. So then we can reach out with really pointy message, yeah. develop the right tactics around that message. So that that's the key to them. your business.
0: Without that information, you can't go to that business and say, "I know we can help you." Yeah, help you. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant.
1: And that's that's really. So we use lots of different pla- you know, the, the key platforms we use: Wimmo, Alf, some other really good ones. If you're looking to stalk out yeah. people's data, Prospect.io. Yeah lusher you can use their little um plugins for linkedin and so what any plugins website. are there for linkedin so linkedin and um linkedin you can use if you've got sales nav it works even better but you can use lusher and prospect.io you can click it on their the person's profile and it'll give you their email address
0: is that right
1: yeah and their phone number and everything you're joking mate. it's amazing but it's
0: they're both powerful. paid for,
1: they're both paid paid for platforms i think lusher Gives you five free credits a month. So yeah. if you want to go online. Another great tip yeah. coming up with Come on tips in. Now. Come on in, another really good one yeah. is okay, so are you into the psychology of sales and marketing? Yes.
0: I mean everyone is, of right? It's Got so to interesting. Be. So that's interesting. Our, that's, that's our
1: world. So there is a platform called Crystal Knows. It's yeah. so a Crystal, but K not Knows, like yeah. my big dodgy one. Yeah. K-N-O-W-S. And it gives you the, the person, and again, I think you get 20 free credits when you first sign up. Yeah. It's actually baked into Winmore, Winmo um, as well. So we get it for free as part of the license fees we pay for that. And it gives you their personality profile, tells you what they're like. It maps your personality against them. It tells you how to email them, how to sell to them, how to engage with them, how to run a new business meeting with them, how they want to be spoken to. It is incredibly accurate and so, so good. Wow. Do you live and
0: breathe this every day? Is this your thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't do so much of the doing now Mm. because I run the business. Um, But yeah, this is what we do. We, Mm. We help we help connect people to a certain extent, yeah. but we help run, we, you know, look at the science behind the marketing and then, yeah, push out, mm. push out. And we work for some, you know, some of the biggest agency groups in the world. You know, yeah. Omnicom are probably our biggest client. Is that right? Client. So, yeah. Retainer? Of course, Good. darling. Of course. Build
0: those retainers <laughs> yeah, <up. laughs> I know. So you've built your business up, you obviously, over years now for the context. But you're actually year one, year two, year three, you're flying.
1: I know. Scarily mm. so actually. So do you know what? It's so hard because I don't want to tell anyone not to go to uni. And mm. my daughter has got uni on the brain and, yeah. and wants to go. And I and I, you know, and I'm never gonna discourage her from that. For me, it certainly has not been a necessity. I think if you're unless you're doing something, you know, where vet, you really exactly lawyer. you really, really need it. If you wanna go and you've got the money and you want the experience great but actually what i did um because i didn't know what i wanted to do i did a a business apprenticeship and that gave me you know i still got my a level but i actually you know got into work at the age of 15 so i was working so young and that's given me way more experience than i would have ever got if i'd taken the normal route and not ever had a job till i was 21 you know so i think if you want if you've got a career in mind that you really want to you know pursue that you may need you may need a uni degree for do mm. it if not i'd say get some experience mm. go to work there's some great apprenticeships out there there's great some online great online courses online courses but you can learn so much more by actually being hands-on yeah. and you know and getting to know the right people yeah you know, and That's knowing what it's about yeah but i think it, you having that hands-on you know not to say that in fact i mean i don't want to poo-poo the university so i won't name which yeah. one it is but my cousin yeah. uh so she's 18 mm. she's or maybe she's 19 now no she is 18 she just turned 18 she was is doing exactly what you said yeah. studying studying events at uni mm. and i was like well, how much have you done? it's rubbish yeah. i haven't really learned
0: four saying, lectures a week i know costing you nine grand a year totally irrelevant
1: i mean the same you know stuff that i'd learn even at you know college just totally I'd irrelevant. Do a, i'd
0: rather do an online course for two grand
1: get certificates
0: and diplomas and use the other seven grand to go travelling for a year in the world
1: I know go and, or go and get a job running an event, an event. even if you're not earning any money and yeah. you do it for free Yeah, it's still going to be cheaper I than never going to look, uni as
0: an employer and they come in I never look at someone's CV and see what degree they've got I don't care what no. levels they've got GCSE it doesn't matter no. it's about the person did you go to uni? I did Yes, and, did. and I loved it I think the but experience there, is good I went there because it was a sports uni Yeah, so I went there and played sport and did PE sports science degree I didn't know what I was doing. I was blagging my way through it, winging everything through. <laughs> it literally was, I was there five years. My the brother time did my exactly the same. But that was very different in year not, when, yeah. 95 to 2000 when a degree actually meant something. It's different now, now. everyone's got a degree. Everyone has got a degree and everyone seems to have a first or a two-one these days. 20 odd years ago, it was like, oh my God, he's got a degree. She's got a degree. Yeah. That's so this, old, this whole online... Education world is the way forward, in my opinion. Don't yeah. get me wrong, going to uni, you'll have an absolute ball, you'll party, you're fun, you'll meet friends for life. But you do have that round your neck of 40, 50 grand around your neck and you you still have that. I've got friends in their forties and fifties, still, still paying, paying student it off. loans I know. off. Bugger
1: that
0: crazy isn't it because
1: I mean I was earning money whilst they were doing that same. I bought my first flat when I was 18 and yeah. sold it for about 40 grand more than I bought yeah. it when I was 21 yeah so yeah that's
0: what we <laughs> did <laughs> because we're grafters and that's yeah. what, that's, that's the rule. but I'm am
1: so glad I did that well yeah. I mean I did end up losing a lot of it as we talked yeah. about earlier but you know I'm so glad I did that rather than you know hike h- myself up with a huge now. amount of debt oh easily easily
0: Yeah, yeah Easily. Anyway, Kate, this has been an absolute yeah. blast. I've really, really enjoyed it. Me I think too. You've done, you've been a huge success in what you do, and I, um, I've kept an eye on Street Agency, and I know you're flying at the moment, yeah, and you've got you a lot me. of respect around the country from a lot of other agencies in London and around the country. So, congratulations on that, and uh, maybe we will get you back in some point. Love it. Yes, please. Cool.
1: Thank you. Cheers, George. Katie. Take care. I'll see you soon. Cheers, mate.
0: Thanks for listening to the Eventful Entrepreneur. Join the conversation today. Review and subscribe for free on iTunes now.